Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hi everyone and welcome to our latest edition of Talking TRM. My name is Bex Dedman. I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030, the new travel risk management standard. And today it's my great pleasure to introduce my good friend, Daniel Price. Um, we will go into a little bit about who you are and what you do in a moment. But before we do, let's just have a little I always, I'm really lucky because I met so many people within this journey that obviously are friends, but you go back way further than that. And we were just having a little bit about a joke of it offline. So how did we meet, Danny? I believe we met in a hotel in <laughs> Wembley in the middle of the afternoon. So glamorous. About more than 10 years ago now, I think, maybe 12 years ago. Yeah, definitely. That obviously sounds quite sordid, so let's just clean that up and make that much better that actually um, Danny was interviewing me because <laughs> um, I was just leaving my role at HRS and looking for new things and you were at six, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. And we so thought interview- somehow I might want to move to one company to another, which we decided I didn't want to do that quite quickly, which was fine. And it was ground transport, right? So you decided wow. at that point it wasn't quite ready for it, but now you just want to talk about it. All the time, all exactly. the time, which is why you're exactly. here. Um, so I am really excited to have Daniel on the show because uh, when I first started making this journey and stepped across from you know what I was doing um, he was one of the first people I spoke to when I started talking about setting up the BSI group which is still ongoing to look at the sort of new standards in this area he was the sort of person I came to for ground transport and and there's lots of good reasons why uh, which I'm not going to talk about I'm going to let Daniel talk about so let's introduce you Daniel who are you and what do you do? So Daniel Price, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Journey, and effectively we built a ground transport system that allowed travel businesses to launch and scale mobility solutions and largely within their own applications. So to keep kind of ground transport within their technical stack, so it makes it really easy for customers to access in policy, within program, ground transportation anywhere in the world. Because that has an elevator pitch for everybody. Very succinct. You've been working on that. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, because it's ground transport and because we're in travel, it's always the last thing anyone thinks of. You know, they book the flight three months in advance. They book the hotel three weeks in advance. Car hires three days. Taxis usually three minutes after they need it. So, you know, you kind of got to work hard within travel to get ground transport into the place where people see it. I'm not going to say they get as excited about it as I do, because that's probably not possible. But so they start to see it as an important part of their program. And what has kind of got you to this place? Let's talk about sort of some of the stuff that you've done in order for you to actually decide to kind of just to embark upon setting up your own company. but And then a technology company to throw that into the mix as well. So what, what's got you here? So a couple of things earlier in my career. 
I kind of learned the benefit of aggregating a, um, a product. So I worked for a leasing company. We aggregated uh, car rental at that time. And then at another stage of my career, I worked within taxis, but we didn't quite have the technology that would give us the ability to do all the things that we did. And then it was really just a chance meeting of someone who's really far more technical than I am, because as much as I'm you know, working within a tech business, I'm not the most technical person. I wouldn't know. I couldn't write a single line of code if I tried. So I think all those things coming together and having the kind of career I've had, it would be crazy if I went off and did something that wasn't ground transport. So it kind of all just fit together in the in the right way. Um, we've obviously talked a lot about the travel risk management piece in all of this. And I think let's let's begin to perhaps explore your why in this, because we've had lots of conversations and and I think perhaps maybe hopefully change the way that you've positioned journey in some conversations as well to sort of cover some of these other aspects. So let's talk about what your interest in is, in, is in this space and, and how important and maybe perhaps how overlooked ground transport can be. So for me, ground transport is the most exposed part of the trip for any passenger. It's literally the part where uh, in general, ground transport isn't part of most people's travel programs. We let the passenger make their own decisions on ground transport. So if you take a look at, we have safe hotel programs and rail and air. And yet when we put our travelers in a car with a stranger and shut the door behind them, the travel industry, largely speaking, isn't there. Today, it makes up less than 3% of all TMC transactions, which from my view is kind of crazy because every flight, every rail, every hotel has two ground transport attached to it. So where are all these journeys and why don't we as an industry have a handle on them and have our arms around it to know where the journey is, who they're traveling with. You know, it's it's not just a benefit from safety, which we'll go into, but also from a cost perspective and a carbon kind of tracking perspective. So for me, um, the, the big chunk of why for this business is is that it is the, the risk element of it. And it's become more so the more apparent the benefits that our program brings to travelers that's the bit that's really kind of formed a huge part of our proposition to our customers. And do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So in my deck, whenever I'm presenting to either a TMC or even an end corporate, we've got this one, we've got this one slide that I, th I think it's quite a powerful slide. It's got a lady kind of at a bus stop late at night, just waiting for a, a mode of transport. And if you put that into context for our travelers, we're asking people to jump on a flight to a foreign country. We may or may not offer them a transfer when they get there. And then if they get into a vehicle or try to book one and they're doing it themselves, where are they finding this vehicle? How do they know that it's safe for them to get in the vehicle? How do we know that it's insured or it's been vetted or the driver's got a license to even drive them. And besides all of that, if we don't know who they're traveling with as an industry, I mean, I don't remember the last time I got in a cab and I called someone to tell them, hey, I'm in this taxi and I'm traveling to this location. So if that's all completely invisible from a risk element, from my viewpoint, that's far more risky than jumping on a plane or staying at a hotel or, or even getting on a train because they're literally, we have no idea where these people are traveling. So that forms such a big part of our proposition is making sure that people get picked up by a safe, audited, vetted vehicle and get to their destination um, securely. And that should anything happen, they can be located and that you've got some understanding of where they can be. Because I think one of the big things that we are 
certainly discovering or certainly the, the TMC and the travel side of discovering is that those sort of tracking tools that they've provided historically, uh, you know, are potentially taking air data, great, uh, rail data, although that's even more complicated because you don't really know what train somebody got on. You might have yeah. a ticket, but you can't guarantee that. Uh, the hotel data is obviously more helpful from a perspective of a location. But then there's all of this other stuff that happens in between um, from a variety of ground transportation. So obviously, the, whether it's um, you know using fleet, whether it's car hire, whether it's using taxis or chauffeurs, and so it goes on. We've then got various different applications now. So you've got you know the Ubers of this world coming in, which in some ways the argument is well you've got more technology now to track people, which is great. But on the other side of it, well there's a whole question around you know the safety of those drivers and the training and all that kind of stuff so but it's almost been impossible to do anything with this up until now it was just so messy um it was difficult enough getting rail together let alone trying to get you know this this side of it together so when when people are wanting to kind of work with you what are their kind of reasons to come to coming to, to coming to, to for you what what are the sort of reasons to start engaging in those conversations so to take it back to a couple of the comments you mentioned, you know, you've got rail data, you've got air data, you've got hotel data, you've got the booked data. What you don't actually know is, are they at the hotel? You know where maybe they might be at midnight, but you can check in any time between four and midnight or one in the morning and you still don't know if they're actually at that hotel. What our data is bringing is we know that the passenger was picked up from the airport and we know the time and every 30 seconds we know where the car was and when they get dropped off we know and actually not only do we know we provide that in real time to our clients so they can actually see the journey happening and they know where that traveler is at any time so when you look at i don't know someone's in a city in new york and there's an incident and you need to find out where are my passengers you know, where are my travelers in new york they could be at the hotel but they could likewise be at a restaurant and we can give that data that an hour ago they had a taxi from the hotel to somewhere else so you don't need to look from the hotel so that's that's one big point we give more real-time data than i think is possibly available anywhere else and that is that connective tissue that travel is lacking ground transport connects everything else so you know if you're flying or you've got a hotel or you've got rail or, or or even if you're going to pick up a car hire it's often ground transport that's the connective tissue that's linking all of these pieces of travel and the problem is as far as travel is concerned it might as well be the wild west because the technology has been previously quite poor in this arena and kind of the previous integrations you wouldn't have all this tracking so so that part for us was, was really important and I think the second bit you mentioned was the other reason why people come to us and are interested in working with us um, and possibly anyone else who does what we do, because, you know, there, there is an element of let's just get this put in, into one place, into policy, is whereby we bring all of the suppliers into one platform. So you mentioned Uber. You can you can get an Uber in Black Lane or Bolt or you can jump into a local taxi or hail a black cab. But then you've got five different receipts from five different companies. You've got no tracking of CO2. And yes, you can track your Uber passengers. But how easy is it to do that if someone's in Uber and then someone else is in Lyft and someone else is somewhere else? So it's for me, what our customers are really interested in is how do I get all of these platforms do a single integration into our existing technology stack and then only ever have to worry about doing one ground transport transaction, one kind of uh, supplier. The challenge is with it making up less than 3% of transactions currently, and I do believe that's set to grow, 
it's not the most important thing for TMCs and for their customers to start looking for. So something has to change. And I think what that part is, is that integration deeper, more closely into the existing technology stack of the, the travel businesses and, and travel technology. Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. And I also think that perhaps there's, you know, one of, you, we've talked about risk and, and all the things associated with ground transport. I think that's one of the levers. I talk about this a lot, that the travel industry has always talked about cost. Um, and that's why you get this kind of interest in air first, because it's the bigger cost than accommodation. And then, and then so it goes down. And obviously, the more people you've got to look after that, the more areas you can kind of delve into. Um, and that's why kind of ground transport is is right at the bottom of it. But if you actually turn that and you move it away from cost and start thinking about it from a people risk management perspective, then actually ground transportation and accommodation should be right at the top of that list. And those are the two things that you need to be considering, because actually, ultimately, the rail companies and the airlines are fairly well um, standardized and, you know, have things in place because they have to from from a compliance and legal perspective. But once you're in a car or once you're in a hotel room, you're kind of on your own um and that's that's and, and i guess in the car even more so because you're then moved around you know so it's maybe having that changing conversation and putting this emphasis back on that piece and i think that's what you're able to do with your solution as well and that's certainly the conversation yeah. we've been driving together so what we're giving is a complete transparency and i still come back to the point that our travelers are in a car with a stranger in no other part of the travel do they spend as much time enclosed in a space with a stranger where they don't have the control over where they're heading and there's there is certainly more that we will do in this space in terms of kind of you know keeping maybe vulnerable travelers or people traveling alone or um in you know maybe female travelers in a city they're not comfortable with you know we're looking at doing integrations with kind of profile tools so that we can pull these out onto our tracking screens our system gives us the ability when a um, and a vehicle isn't dispatched on time for us to know that the traveler is waiting. So we can then switch that taxi company to one that can get there quicker. But likewise, it also tells us when the driver is waiting. So if a driver arrives to pick you up for your one o'clock taxi, it's 10 past one and you haven't got in it yet. We know that there's something up. The driver either can't find you or you haven't come out for your trip. The driver's about to leave. So we can then start to engage with you as a traveler and with the um, the driver to make sure that either they don't leave or we figure out what's what's happening we're doing this in real time live at that at that moment so from a from a traveler risk perspective everything that can be done is done through the data that we're monitoring through the system at the time when it's needed the most <laughs> exactly you know it, getting out getting out from a flight at you know nine o'clock in glasgow or nigeria or wherever you're wherever you're headed you know, in a strange city is, you know, can be, can make some people feel quite anxious about that travel environment. And so, so for them to know that there is somebody that's got that section kind of covered, that 
you know, I've always thought that travel is a purposeful business. You know, it's the reason why the the likes of someone like Uber, yes, it works in business travel, but it's not quite the same level. It's not quite the consumer experience. It's different. Um, and therefore, you need that added layer around it. The whole of travel is purposeful, but the most purposeful part of it is when you've got that huge human interaction in, in, a, in a taxi experience. No, I completely agree. I just, I do love the conversations we have around this because honestly, I was not a ground transport fan, as you know. Um, it's taken me a while to get here, but I just love what you're doing and being able to bring it together so easily. So I'm, you know, you're you're on everyone's lips as far as you're winning awards all over the place, which is great. Um, we do like to have an award winner on the show, so well done. Um, but I think it's because it's just so um, transformative in this space that it just makes something that was actually almost impossible to manage a lot easier with the use of technology, but also just thinking about all of these other elements, which is what we're constantly trying to bring in when we talk about travel risk management. It is not just flight. It is not just, you know, some people's policies only go as far as two execs not being on a plane together. They don't think about what happens in a car or anything else. And, you know, that's when stuff's going to go wrong. Well, I've got to be honest, I've never really, I mean, there's been some bad turbulence, but I've never felt unsafe in a flight environment. But I've certainly, even though I'm in this industry, felt unsafe waiting for a taxi. You know, I, I also, I was in um, Phoenix last year. I got, I ordered a, a lift. We got, I got into the car and then I realized the driver wasn't the same person as the picture. And he said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm only 21 years old. A lift won't let me drive for them. This is my mom's account. I'm thinking, that that's not safe you know if, yeah. if i was a female traveler on my own and i thought a female driver was picking me up and now i'm in with a 21 year old man who i've no, and there's no record of this ever happening so this industry does give you know those opportunities for people to potentially feel like that they're, they're not safe so imagine not knowing that you know your loved one or someone in your work environment is traveling and you didn't know they got into that car nobody knew because they just booked it randomly on their own app or they just hailed it at the, at the airport they're they're the challenges that we're looking to solve and i think you know, that just touches on the bit that we've always talked about you know you have obviously travelers that are well experienced they they, they feel comfortable doing all of this but then put it in the situation of actually the partner waiting at home for their partner and knowing that they've just got into a taxi with a stranger and they've now they no one knows where they are that you know your expectation on that organization that they're going to move heaven and earth to find out what's going on which is which was you know which is impossible to do unless you've got things in place to be able to do it and don't get yeah. me wrong there are other you know there's obviously other software out there now which companies are much more turned on to which is the sort of passenger locator stuff yeah but there is some issues around that because there's this idea of being tracked that people don't feel comfortable with. And I think it's all about the language that we use. It's a location service. And actually, I personally would feel a lot happier knowing that if I wanted to just switch something on on a phone, I could just, but even just for a period of time and then switch it back off again, but knew that there was someone there. I think that's the way we need to kind of start thinking about this rather than being tracked for everything that you do, because actually that's not yeah. really what's happening. So I think it's Daniel, more. Um, I think it's more passive. I think it's more passive tracking that's yeah. rather than active tracking. So we literally track from the moment the car leaves to come and get you. And by the way, we're tracking the car, not the passenger. Once that passenger gets in, the driver's hitting a button to say the passenger's in, and then the journey starts. And we can track that whole journey. And when the when the passenger's letting them go, we've no idea what happens after because we're tracking the car. So it's yeah. that 
it's that passive element rather than, than the active tracking. We're not tracking an app within the pocket of the customer for 10 minutes after they get out of a car. And I think that's the nervousness. And, you know, tracking is not new. I worked in the fleet industry for a long time. And, you know, there was talk about putting telematics in everyone's car and nobody wants it because it's it's seen as an invasion of privacy, whether there's um, a tracker in your phone, in your car, whereas that passive element of using booking data along with checking data along with kind of those connected parts of the journey, you can start to build up a really, really powerful picture of where somebody could or, you know, maybe or most likely is um, located. Which in the moment, you know, in the moment of an emergency is exactly what's so important. And that's what you need to be able to get to as quickly as possible. And then I think, you know, these other elements, just these other apps just complement it so that they can, you know, check in if they want that additional stuff. I think that's where it's going as an industry. Okay, Daniel, thank you. I think we've kind of really delved into the, I wanted to get to obviously was this idea of this personal experience. And we've, we've talked about that a lot, you know, and I think, and I thank you because that's what has to bring it home to people. This isn't just some sort of, something on a spreadsheet that we don't spend so much on so we're not going to look at ultimately this is a person getting into a car with a stranger and how are we mitigating risk around that and I think that's what yeah. I want to kind of bring home to people as far as ground transport and risk management is concerned so I think I think from a cost point of view the point to make I think recent research has shown that outside of getting to and from the airport because business trips are elongated now you're talking about six taxi journeys per business trip on average so there are six occasions, whereas you might have one hotel check-in and one flight, you've got six different occasions where you need to have your A game when it comes to travel risk management. And if you don't have it, and there are six occasions versus the two that you have got covered, and I think your point about cost management, if you've got the 90% of cost managed, but you've actually only got 10% of the transactions managed, then you you haven't got your model the right way around. So I think you, you know, bringing that point out really crystallizes how how you should focus your time and effort when it comes to travel risk agreed and i think as these as these roles potentially merge and a travel manager perhaps takes on more risk elements and this is how we're going to sort of see that evolve so let's talk about then somebody wanting to get into this um for the first time how are they going to get a handle on this from a risk management perspective and obviously from from a ground transport place what are your golden nuggets daniel so for me it's really really straightforward it's about you can't improve or manage something that you can't see. You simply can't. It's going to be almost impossible because you're going to have five different apps that are being used. You're going to have thousands of different local taxi companies if you're a global organization. Even if you're a local organization in a, in a region or in a, in, a, in, a, in a country, there's a chance that you're going to have you know quite a lot of different, I suppose, unmanaged procurement going on within the business. From a cost point of view, it, you can bring that all in straight away. But from a travel risk point of view, get it visible, get it within a policy. I would be surprised if more than 25 or 30% of RFPs had a big section on ground transport. And I would be surprised if policy had more than a few lines written in it about ground transport, because it's the piece that people don't really want to get their arms around. However, the way that we are moving is changing. Um, we now all work from home. We're doing this in, in our own homes. We would have done this three years ago in a, in a studio somewhere, right? So the office isn't the office anymore. It's, a, yeah. uh, it's not a five day um, a week trip to the office. It's one day a week or one day every two weeks to a hotel somewhere where you meet your team. These are now becoming business journeys because yeah. you're no longer traveling 20, um, 
kind of five days a week when that would have been your commute. So if this is now a business trip, then you are, at least in the UK, you as a company are responsible for your traveller and that trip. You're responsible for the cost. You're responsible for the duty of care element of it as well. I don't think we've been doing this long enough for this to have come round enough yet. I think it's something that will, will come. Um, when you add that to the changing environment around car usership versus ownership, where people are now you know, owning less vehicles, it means they are now looking for these opportunities where maybe they drove to the office five days a week. Now they're getting a train and a taxi to the office once every two weeks. That's potentially now a business trip. TMCs are experienced, very experienced in really long distance trips, thousands of miles, hundreds of miles. Where we lack as a travel industry, the experience is in those sub 30, sub 50 mile trips where they're all local, they're all regionalized and they're using local supply chains that we potentially don't yet have integrations into. I remember this seeing this in March 2020, knowing straight away, we're not going back to working. I've worked from home for 20 years, so I knew that once people started to be able to do this, it wouldn't quite get to the way it was, or at least it will take some time. I think there's a new category of business travel that is people working from home who need to travel um, into the office. And therefore, this whole piece needs wrapping up and bringing into a program so that you can understand how your travelers are moving, you know, what the risk is um, in terms of are they using their own car? There's something in the fleet industry called Grey Fleet. Grey Fleet is whereby you use your own vehicle to drive to a meeting, but you only do it once every six months, once every three months or whatever. So you don't have business insurance. The company doesn't check if you've got a driving license and they're also not checking whether or not you have an MOT on the vehicle. If they're using that for business, a company is as responsible for that car as the individual is it's it's mm. it's shared so i for me this whole merging of fleet mobility and business travel for me it's just bring it all into one place and see it yeah. quantify it understand it and start tracking it and then work on how you can keep it um safer exactly once you know what you've got i think this is the key um, and we just have such limited visibility. So thank you for obviously all you're doing to change this area in this space. And this is why I was really keen to talk to you about it, because I know that for you, it's so much deeper than, than a piece of technology. Um, there's a big reason behind it and what we're actually looking to do, which is why it sort of fits in with this, this travel risk management piece so beautifully. Um, no one's ever described ground transport as fitting anywhere beautifully before. Oh, well, you so do you now. That. Oh, no, you do straight into travel risk management you are welcome <laughs> into our little party over here no i i love what you're doing i support it fully um so anybody who wants to get in touch with daniel his details will be at the end of this um podcast on screen um and you obviously can talk to him you can follow him like i say he's winning awards all over the place but you should definitely bring this part of your travel program into consideration. It's a huge part as far as risk management is concerned. And I hope that we've got that across to you today. So you have been listening to Talking TRM. My name is Bex Dedman, and we will be back in touch soon with another episode in a couple of weeks. We appreciate your time and do be sure to follow us so that you don't miss out on anything. Our contact details are below and we'll be in touch soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. 
If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31030, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to our centre management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.